you took a stab at at some stand-up comedy. Hold on. Okay. That doesn't sound like a ringing endorsement when you say <laughs> took you took a stab <laughs> at stand-up that was comedy. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Talk and audio. It's graceful and beautiful and physical and angry all at the same time. Were you idiot? Your mind would cave in and your heart would explode within your chest. This is going to be a shame. Here we go! What's happening, everybody? Welcome inside the TCA studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada. A balmy Tuesday afternoon as we sit here and record this. Uh, I think we've hit 13 degrees in the nation's capital. We welcome back in our buddy Ian Mendez is here. What's happening, man? It is playoff weather. Doesn't it feel like it should be game one of the Stanley Cup playoffs? A little bit, yeah. With this weather? Honestly. Uh, How you been, man? Thank you for coming back in and doing this. Thank you so much for having me. As you know, I always love coming in here. Uh, and chatting with you about the industry, yeah. about the Senators, about the Maple Leafs, about the NHL, whatever it is. So I <laughs> love it, and I have my my tall can of choice. Here. <laughs> so uh, I did offer you something that was going to be just a little crazier. It's just a it's just a blonde ale, but yeah. you. I, I also know I, I do a little you know a little homework before we come in. I, yeah. I, I know our guests and their preferences, whatever. So also sitting in the fridge was a, a Michelob Ultra, and that is what you've chosen. Michelob to Ultra, you got to stay on brand, <laughs> right? Like that's, right. that's look at that. We're there you go. It he up. knows what's up. Yeah. He knows how this works. Yeah, uh, I'm still gonna roll with the Blonde Ale here. This is from the Whitewater Brewing Company. Uh, they make some really nice stuff. Actually, not too long ago, I have once again had their. Uh, this would be more maybe for for Lever than for you, Ian. It was a peanut butter chocolate. Shake stout. What do you mean? That's more for Lever. That is Lever's. <laughs> that's all age. Lever is uh, is doing. Yeah, he used to. He he took a trip down to uh, Georgia a couple of years ago, and all he did was send us pictures <laughs> of like these fruity sweet beers, and I think one of them was a peanut butter and jelly. Yes, peanut butter. He and brought jam. me back one of those yeah. actually when he came back from Savannah. Here. Was it from Savannah? That one was from Florida. The oh, one I'm Florida. thinking of was a peanut butter and jam. But but ale. he would you know he would send us these, and, but but he loves them right, yeah, and yeah. so I hey listen if that's what Each you like own. if that's your palate yeah hundred percent knock yourself out hundred uh, percent. There's a few things I want to talk to you about. We're gonna hold the the actual you know current sense talk for a little bit. Thank God. I'm sure you've done a fair bit of that yes. recently. Um, I want to take you back in time just a little bit. Are we going to play some Huey Lewis? I wish we could play some back Huey in Lewis. Time. If I had been better with it. Yeah. If this was a better podcast. Well, this is a podcast. Can't you just drop I can do it in and post? Huey yeah. Lewis is Seems back like a lot in of time. Work, Ian. It does, it does feel like a lot of work. Um, I want to take you back. This is dropping on Wednesday, February 28th. I want to take you back to this day in 2010. Yes. And, uh, and to this moment. In. Up with it again. He's on the ice with Aginla. Aginla scoping. Sidney Crosby, the golden goal. And Canada has once in a lifetime Olympic gold. <laughs> so, Ian, I'll be honest with you. Yes. When I was first uh, preparing to have you in here for this, I only had the Crosby clip. But then I went back, I found a piece of work you had done about the gold medal game. Yeah, in, for Sportsnet. Yes, and uh, in which you had commented on that particular anthem, the I Believe CTV. I, I don't think people remember, like, that is buried deep in everyone's minds. <laughs> as and as soon as you, you mentioned played it, like, that again. I knew it. As soon as it, I read your article again this morning, which we'll share because it's it's a fun travel back in time. Yeah. Um, but... In that moment, as soon as you mentioned the I believe, in my head, I cannot. Da, 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 yeah. da. Like for, for I'd like couple- to meet the composer <laughs> of I believe to punch them in the face. No. I, like, but like for about whatever it was. Because we all know the CBC days. one, right? Every four years, yeah. we, use it, we get the CBC or Olympic anthem. the NBC, it's right? very iconic. Yes. But this, but this the, was like a. CTV only tw- had two Olympics. Yeah. And yet, 2010. I know that song. And, but, but it was only for the Vancouver Olympics that they played that. That's right. Right? Yeah. They didn't Nikki do it Yanofsky in London. was the singer. I don't remember the oh, composer. Oh, goodness gracious. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was like for me, uh, you know, on this date in, in 2010, being back, for me, I grew up in Vancouver. So to be essentially at home right and watch the country win a gold medal in best on best hockey and the best player on the planet like i'll tell you my my honest moment my honest reaction in that moment and you hear Cuthbert you can actually even hear 
Sid yelling, Iggy, Iggy. I love right? that. Like, uh, I will tell you that I I soaked in the moment. I even looked around. I had the, I don't know if presence. in the press is, box? In the press box. Okay. I don't know if presence is the right term, <laughs> but I was very in the moment. And I said, I, I remember distinctly saying to myself, soak it in. Right. You will, like, it's almost like the Joe Carter, you'll never hit a bigger one in your life. Right. I, I, I soaked it in. I said, this is it. Like, I will never cover anything. Right. That matches the greatest player of his generation scoring a gold medal winning goal on home ice right. in my home, like basically on the presence my of mind of Chris Cuthbert to go a once in a lifetime Olympic right. gold, right? Like now he's probably in the weeks ahead thinking up to you know what he might say in a moment like that, but but to have that as part of that legendary call, that once in a lifetime, it is you. That is overtime on home soil, the greatest player against the USA. You'll never see that again. I wonder if, is Cuthbert a time traveler? Did he know that the (laughs) NHL wouldn't be going back to the Olympics 2018, 2022? Cuthbert's like, that's once in a lifetime. (laughs) I had him on the show during the the pandemic, you know, when everyone was sitting at home and nothing better to do. They can talk to Matt for a few minutes. And he came on and he talked and... Uh, he was awesome, and I asked him about that moment, of course, which is something he's obviously been asked about a thousand times, but he's good enough to to travel through it with me. And he goes, what people don't understand is in that moment, it if you know audio at all, it fried his headphones because the horn, the cheer, everything in the building went so loud that he could no longer, yep. like all the levels peaked. And he said, in my own headphones, and for people who don't know, you hear your own voice in those moments. You're yep. talking into it. He goes... I stopped hearing my own voice and I went, oh my God, is my mic dead? Is my the biggest moment in maybe Canadian hockey history in my career? Certainly it's off the air. And he said, I just kept going just in case I am still on the air. And it turned out that it only peaked the audio, not his microphone. And so we, we end up still having that call, but he goes in that moment, he goes, I'm as much panicking as I am. Yeah. Celebrating. I'll tell you, I'll tell you an, 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 a kind of an adjacent anecdote to that is the 2010 Stanley Cup final was Philly Chicago. Mm-hmm. And if you remember the way that series ended was Pat Kane yeah. on a very odd goal. In fact, I, again, I was lucky enough to be in the building in in uh in Philadelphia. Kane scores that goal. I'll never forget just be it, I can still in my mind hear Patrick Kane screaming. He's, woo, woo. Like He's, and but the building was dead yeah. and I'm like what is going on? I'm like oh my god they won the cup. <laughs> and so at the end of the night there's a media party. Like a like a media gathering. Sure. And Jim Houston is there. Yeah. And Jim looks uh defeated, yeah. crestfallen yeah. because you know he missed it it's like everybody else he cup missed winner. it. Yeah, and I'll tell you like when you're a play-by-play person in that moment, you only get a handful of yep. So I was so happy when I think it was what in 2014 that Alec Martinez scored an overtime. Yeah, yeah. Stanley, and Jim called it perfectly. Right. I was so happy for him because I saw him in 2010. He looked so disappointed, but it was such a freaky, weird play. Right. Nobody, including me, I'm watching it. Patrick I didn't Kane under- is the only one who I, knew that went in. I'm. I'm convinced I I think he was the only one. Yeah. Like nobody else knew. And he almost it felt like he was selling it to yeah, people. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and and so anyway, so w- when you say that about Cuthbert feeling like oh no, I I I that's the moment. Yeah. That's how it is for play by play. You you get that one moment and everything has to line up perfectly. Yeah. And you have to nail the call. Well, and and, it, and I think Houston nailed it yep. in and I actually thought he nailed it too in twenty thirteen. Remember Chicago came back? Yes. Dave Bowling last two minutes. And and, and, yeah. and he got it right there. Yep. No, and, and it, it, you, like you said, you only get so many of those moments. And and so even the goal itself, and there's a video on YouTube that I watch all the time. It's just called, and like I said, when I say all the time, a couple times a year since 2010, it's just called the Iggy Heard Round the World. Yeah. Iggy, Iggy. And, and that's all it is. Yeah. But it's on every country's broadcast, right? And so you hear them speaking Russian, Swedish, Korean, Japanese, like everybody. The, the, Iggy, the, Iggy. Yeah, and you hear that in the background as their commentators call the goal. And my favorite one is maybe on the BBC where, like, you're just not used to hearing a British accent call hockey games. And it finishes like, and it's taken Sidney Crosby to come to the party for Canada. To, and you're like. All the way. Here's a Ginla.
awesome. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't uh, say splendid. He did splendid. not say splendid. No. Uh, so I'm curious. Like I said, I, I do want to. Uh, I'm going to share in the show notes and on our social media feeds a tall can audio. I, I want to share this article that or this column, this <laughs> timeline that you wrote back yeah. in 2010. Uh, but during those Olympics, like I remember it being this. Uh, Bob McCowan was calling it the unholy alliance of of Sportsnet and yeah. TSN through those Olympics. Are you just there for the hockey tournament? What did you call throughout the tournament? Obviously, you're in the building for the Olympic hockey gold medal game. What were you doing in, in Vancouver? What did you get a chance to see? Yeah, it's good. Like, so I think if memory serves me, that consortium, which was Vancouver, like CTV, TSN, and Sportsnet, was just for 2010 and 20, uh, 2012. 2012. That's it. Right? Yep. yep. So I went to cover, I wasn't part of the broadcasts. I was part of the news team for Sportsnet. So okay. I went to cover for uh, whatever our news show was called at the time. Like, honestly, it kept changing. It was Honest, connected, yeah. Sportsnet Central, News, Sports yeah. Central, Sportsnet Central, whatever. So <laughs> I was there covering just pretty much the men. Like, I was there covering the big stories of right. the Olympics, but mostly related to men's hockey. Mm-hmm. So I covered all those Canada uh, games in that tournament. Um and, and it was weird because, you know, we had been almost trained to hate the competition. Like, we hated – I hated – well, I didn't hate, but, like, you know, we had a rival with Brett Wallace, sure. for example. Okay, yeah. And Wally and I would – in that in that two-week period, we were like, wow, this is really weird. Like, we could theoretically share stuff, like, yeah, in terms yeah. of uh, video, audio – and but it was great. Like it, it, it was it was pretty cool. You can go back in those moments in the hockey tournament and just see how the odd moments of the hockey panel hosted by Duffy, Kiprios Kipper, Kipper and McKenzie, there, right? yeah. Kiprios and McKenzie sitting beside each other. Like nah, that's weird. <laughs> it was, but but you know, it's a reminder. And I think this is where I think the NHL got it wrong in 2013. Is there was an opportunity? If the Olympics taught us anything, it's that Bell and Rogers can play yeah. nice in the sandbox when it it's worth their while. Same with their ownership of the Maple Leafs. Yeah. Like, although I mean, there's a lot of stories there that maybe that's yes. going to unravel, but that's neither here nor there. Right. But it shows you that there's a willingness to sort of you know partner. They could loosely partner. So to me, in 2013, when the NHL went exclusively to Sportsnet. Yeah. They made a, a bit of a mistake. They should have folded in TSN in some way, shape, or form in a national package. Sure. You know? And, we all thought that's what was coming. Uh, coming. CBC was maybe going to keep Saturday. Yeah. Sportsnet would grab a Sunday national package. Maybe TSN keeps the Wednesday. Everybody gets a little something. And Rogers just grabbed it all up. They, and, they, they grabbed it all. And now it's funny how time flies yeah. because we're really – uh, I think they can actually start renegotiating this fall. Yeah, like it, it, yeah. it, it, it it's going to be fascinating. What's the digital component of this going to be? Like the streaming, like right? Sure. The next maybe Apple TV yeah, jumps I, in, maybe Amazon. Yeah, but what would be the most NHL like? Crave is almost too mainstream yeah. for them. It's going to end up being some weird <laughs> Pluto TV is free, right? So that that can't be it. Right, so what's the least yeah. appealing streaming like some service? streaming service that you've never heard of that's super yeah. glitchy yeah. is going to end up getting the NHL so rights. Sportsnet Plus, yeah, Sorry. yeah exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, so I interrupted you there while you're out there while you're covering that. Uh, you know, you all you must know from the beginning. Okay, regardless of whether Canada's in it or not, I'm going to be at the gold medal game. Yeah. Um, this style. Of column where it's kind of minute by minute what you're doing is that pre-planned you mentioned at the top I, of it because it's posted on the first so a day after you said you've read a hundred recaps here was my do you do that after the fact or do you know this is sort of the I, way i want to frame it i'll be real honest with you matt like until you texted me that today <laughs> i had forgotten that i'd even written a right. column okay like and i pre, like i would not be where i am today as a writer uh without the uh, opportunity that sportsnet.ca provided me because look, I was just a quote unquote TV guy. Mm-hmm. I was just a TV reporter who really liked writing, and they they were like, "Yeah, you want to write? Go ahead and write." Right. So they gave me the platform to be creative, to be funny, to be irreverent, to do some some different things. So that one, I don't like. I would always try and take a little bit of a humorous spin on things because yeah. I felt like the the marketplace was crowded with. 
super serious. Yeah, the, the, the regular stuff. Yeah. So I appreciated that. And I, you know, just did a, I was like, well, what, what could I do? And people seem to really like, and this is true till this day. And this is why I think podcasts are great is people like to read or hear about things that are relatable. Right. Just relate. Just, can you just be normal and relatable? <laughs> like, like that's all people want. They want to be able to relate to the people that cover the sport. So when you write a blog like that and you're, and I don't even remember half these jokes. They don't even make sense. So this is so funny. Cause I like, read it the first time and I'm like, that's pretty funny. That's pretty good. And, stuff like that. and then I read it the second time. And that's sort of when it came back to me, you made a joke that, Stephen Harper was speaking to to yeah. French television, and he was threatening to prorogue the games. I'm like, that's a funny moment reference in that moment because he had just prorogued what, government, what, right? Like, what, what person <laughs> has used the word prorogue <laughs> right. in the last decade? Nobody, <laughs> right? So, but it's as neat. Like, you know what I love about the blogs and the things that I've written in the past is they serve as these little time capsules, yeah. right? Like these sort of moments well, Kevin in time. Kevin Smith was the other one you mentioned too. Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith. I had no recollection of him in the airplane. So I'm a big Kevin Smith guy. I loved Clerks, loved Dogma, all his movies. Like that's right in my wheelhouse, mm-hmm. my generation. And at the time, I would have, when I first read it, I, I'll be honest with you, I thought it was just a straight fat joke. Because in my mind, the, the, the Too Fat to Fly thing, which is what he called his next special, Too Fat to yeah. Fly. I would have sworn up and down. That's 2014, 2015. No. And so in 2010, it feels like a drop by, uh, a drive-by. And yet I do the Google search. It was two weeks before the Olympics yeah. that this happened to him. So that's obviously why it's front of mind to you in right. that moment. <laughs> I know. It's, it's, it's really uh, – yeah, so it's like a time capsule of that sort of – so I, I – yeah, I, I don't – I couldn't begin to tell you what my right. thought process would have been other than – what can I do to write something that's unique and personal that's relatable that people would sure enjoy yeah. reading? Um, yeah, a once in a lifetime uh, sporting event for sure. I, I, I've told the story before on the podcast. I remember when Parisi scores. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got like ten or fifteen people uh, in my parents' house. My house wouldn't have been big enough at the time. My parents were away on a cruise, so we're gonna have the Olympic gold medal party at their house, and uh, that's how that's gonna go. And I got. 12, 15 people, whatever there, and Parisi scores, and nobody says a word. It's just dead silence for like 20, 25 seconds until my one buddy just goes, well, fuck. (laughs) Everybody get another beer. We're in this for a little longer. And I jump up when Crosby scores. I turn, I hug my cousin, and as I turn back the other way, someone has come racing around the coach and has leapt into the air. And my choices are catch him or step back and watch him belly flop on the floor. But it was just... Those there, you've I'm sure seen them on YouTube. There are these scenes from across Canada. These reactions yeah. in people's living rooms, in you know Young and Dundas Square, in what like it, it was just a once in a lifetime thing. I'm surprised February 28th has not become a a national holiday in this country. But. Yeah, no, it's you know what I don't like now is because of the like I I know that you had the ability back then. It was early in the ability to hit pause on live TV. Yeah, what I don't like now is I feel that so many of those moments that are supposedly spontaneous are just recreated. Now, now people have hit pause. Yep. They're, okay, let's react to yes. this guy missing a field goal, and I'm going to take a bat, and I'm going to smash my TV. It's like, that didn't happen <laughs> in real time. <laughs> like, like, you know, but but I, I remember being in the arena in Vancouver, and the feeling in that arena was no different than the living room at your parents' house. Right. It was eerily Bedlam. quiet. Well, you mentioned really quiet inside. Oh, when, yeah, yeah, yeah. When he scores, goal. yes, like, yes, yeah. Uh, that was probably the most nerve-wracking, <laughs> tense intermission I've ever experienced in my life. Like it was palpable yeah. in the building; yep. you could just feel. And and I was thinking, man, this is like this isn't good. Like this is Roberto Luongo at home. <laughs> all the pressure, all yep. the yep. you know, and, and it was just it felt like, oh my god, this is gonna slip away. Well, maybe the the thing, the last thing on this, I should mention, which I thought was hilarious, given where we've gone since, was you mentioned when you walked out into Vancouver 
and you you said it's the place is going crazy. F- strangers are hugging and high fiving, and you said in the moment that wasn't in the H one N one pamphlet. What the hell was that coming? In February the forget Chris <laughs> Cuthbert being a time traveler. Maybe I was a time now, traveler. Why am I making a now you uh, sit like here a pandemic related yeah, joke? No, exactly. I wouldn't hug a stranger now, right? I wouldn't right. high five. That's very so odd. It is it's a very odd. It's a weird. It's moment, a weird man. comment to make in twenty ten. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um. You know, you mentioned this being kind of a, you know, a funnier column or something a little different. I was a month or so ago at an event where uh, you took a stab at at some stand-up comedy. I've talked about it on the show I, since then. Hold on. Okay. That doesn't sound like a ringing endorsement when you say, <laughs> took you at. took a stab <laughs> at stand-up was comedy. Worth a shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I had texted you a day or two ahead of time saying, looking forward to whatever. And at the time, I thought it was just a panel. You... Uh, Yorkie, and if I'm supposed to follow media instructions, I guess we're just calling him local podcaster. Local uh, podcaster. Yeah, exactly. Uh, anyway, Brent Wallace was the other guy up there. And you said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go first. I'm going to give this a shot. And you went out and you did a, a stand-up routine beforehand, but framed as a, a trip through five pivotal dates yeah. in, in your life. And I'll be honest with you. I thought it turned out great, but there was a moment or two there where you took us into some pretty heavy places. Okay, but but not it was never awkward. No, no, no. Right? But See, I, there were moments. Think people where, are going to be listening. Like, no, there was a couple of moments there. No, where, no, 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 no. It was but a, there was moments where there were places you took us in your personal life yeah, that I thought but, are going to be tough to come back and get a laugh from, and yet, but I did. You did, yeah, because that I and I tried to say this before. That is what life is. Life is the full range of emotions. Mm-hmm. The problem with the sort of, I'll call it the Instagramization of society, yeah. is that we only want people to see our good moments. Yep. And I think there's some value in vulnerability, but there's humor in vulnerability. There's humor in 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 defeat and in dark places, and there, there, you know. So I felt like the best way, like it's hard, like like when you get up there. And you're basically doing a stand-up routine. Make me laugh, funny boy. Yeah, world. make me laugh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I believe my philosophy on that is connectivity. If you can connect with the audience, if you can get them to emotionally invest in you as a storyteller, you've got them. Right. And whether you say what's funny, it's serious, or something in between, you've got them. You've captivated them. And uh, – that's the key, yeah. right? You don't want to go full Michael Scott at the Dunder <laughs> at Mifflin the corporate, uh, you know. No, no, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. But but I don't think it, it never got awkward. No, it and didn't I, at and, all. And, 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 it was a great and, night. And, and I appreciate you saying that I took you to some some dark places because it, it, it is. It's a it's tough talking about uh, in our in this case it was our daughter's right. you know, medical journey. That stuff is tough. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but at the end. You want people to have a greater – like I said, I think there's a great value in transparency but a great value in being relatable. Right. And I want people to know that I've had to – you know, my wife and I have had to deal with health challenges mm-hmm. for our child. And 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 it's, it's a really difficult thing to do. And for me, it happened all and – I, and I tied this in. It was the day Jacques Martin was fired. Right. As head coach of the Senators, it was the day that we found out there was a serious medical issue with our uh, with our child. Right. Well, and I'm curious, you know, when you do a, a like I said, when I, I when I got the tickets, I assumed I was showing up just to to watch you three shoot the shit. And when you mentioned you were gonna you were gonna do a stand up to start, is that something you know you've you've written before on sports on on family stuff? You've obviously got a history as a broadcast. Was that something you had had an itch to try? The stand-up thing yeah. before? Yes. Yeah. And and so before the pandemic, I did one of these t- similar type of thing at a Yuck Yucks leading into a, I think it was like Matt Barnaby, Andre Waugh, <laughs> kind of one of those. They did the, what was it called? Tales from the Penalty Box. And they're like, you come up. And it's like, can you imagine me and my personality and my brand of humor juxtaposed against Andre Waugh and Matthew <laughs> Barnaby? Like you couldn't get – more opposite in terms of <laughs> here's Mr. Clean Cut sure. and then here comes the locker room humor. But it was it was good. And it gave me like the one thing I really miss, Matt, I miss live television, the adrenaline rush, 
that I used to get from that. Right. Like like when that red red light comes up, the only thing I've ever been able to do that somewhat replicates it is public speaking mm-hmm. slash kind of that, you know, we'll call it emceeing an event sure. or stand-up comedy. So I knew I, I could I, I knew I could do it, but I put a lot of work like that routine that you saw, that was a lot of work that was put into it for me. Yeah. I don't do not believe that I'm talented enough to just get up there and just start, oh, I'll I'll figure it out. I'll wing it. Right. I don't think no. I'm good enough. Um, and I certainly just I just respect the audience too much because people have paid like thirty some odd dollars, thirty five dollars or whatever it was to come in. And to me, and I say this as somebody who works behind a paywall, there's a tremendous amount of pressure when people have paid money out of their pocket to see you. Mm-hmm. I feel this like it's almost like a weight on my chest. Like you better deliver because they're giving you and they're paying, you know, uh, to see you because they, they expect something like that's a lot of money to $35, a lot of money. Like, no. Yeah. Yes. It was, it was a fundraiser. It was well worth it. Absolutely. We we, we were going to get some stories and some laughs. But that's still a lot of money for people to pay. Uh, I thought the whole thing was great. To be honest with you, the three of you just put on a, a really good conversation afterwards. I, I'll I'll mess up the phrasing a little bit because you won't be surprised to learn I'd had a pint or two. Good on Steam Whistle for uh, sponsoring yes. the uh, the event. But uh, at some point, Wally's telling a story, and uh, he <laughs> he looks at you and goes, "Am I being too vague? Am I giving them enough?" And you kind of went, "I think you might have said too much." Yeah. <laughs> so like those are I'm not a Sens guy, but I'm a I'm a hockey guy. I like these stories, right? I like these events. Like, how did you feel like the whole thing came off? Are you happy with it? We do it again. I would love to do it again. Yeah. I would, you know, if I did, I think we'd have to obviously come up with some new ideas or new stories or new angles. But yeah, I I love those. Like, I think in the media, we're fortunate that we can interact with. And you know, I'll use for me now. In my current job, I can interact with Tim Stutzla on a regular basis. And, right. and, and I see Daniel Alfreds on a regular basis. And like for me, it's become, well, that's just work. It's no different than if you worked at uh, a government and you saw, you know, Bob from accounting. Sure. That's just your that's just your day. And that's just my day. But I realize that wow, I'm really lucky that I'm in that sphere, and so people love. There's a fan base what, who what, loves Bob from accounting. Yeah, we want to hear accounting. stories about yeah, Bob, exactly. <laughs> and so, I realized like it. It's pretty cool to be doing what I'm doing, and people really think it's amazing. And that it's really humbling, if anything. Sure, it's really like that. People like even like today, I was at uh, Farm Boy buying you know, burgers were because apparently it's barbecue season now in February <laughs> in Ottawa. Yes. And, uh, and, 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 and the butcher just starts talking to me, like didn't say anything, just starts saying, so are we going to make a trade? Are we? And, but it's such a cool thing to have people like people always say to me like, Oh, don't you get tired about you're out, out somewhere. And somebody wants to talk about the senators with you. Don't you get tired? Like, how could I get tired? Somebody wants to talk to me about my job right. and they're genuinely interested. How could you be, how can you be tired of that? Right? Like it's 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 pretty neat. How do you and I know you, you know, well enough to know that you're a humble guy or whatever. Like, how do you you have to know your reputation in this town, right? Like it's it's pretty sterling. Like when I, you look at a lot of people online who do a really good job at things, there's always a bunch of shitheads in the replies somewhere, Ian, and whatever. And I'm sure you have them too. Yeah, I do. But you have to understand on some level, right, that that you're very you know, maybe well regarded above most, or well, no, no. I, I see. I, I know you're going to balk. No, 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 no. You know what? I'm really a. Pre- I'm. I think if I am held in that regard by some people, it's be- only because I've tried to treat that relationship as the most important relationship to me. Right. It's not. I would put my relationship with this fan base ahead of my relationship with. Whomever is the general manager of this team, mm-hmm. whoever is the owner of this team, whoever is the star player of this team, if you ask me, I, ha- I'm, uh, I have to pick. There's one island you can jump to, right? And you're beholden to them. I'm getting on the one with the fans <laughs> because that's who I really work for, right? Right. And so I think if you if you just treat them with the the respect that they deserve. Uh, that they and again it goes back to these people are paying money like like I don't pay to go to a senator's game right 
and sometimes I go home and I'm like, what a joke. This team, you know, they're never going to get it done with this lack of attention to detail. Did I just drop $700 to take a family of four? Right, no. Right, right. So, but be mindful of that. So I think if people uh, know that that's what your intention is, they're going to they're gonna be somewhat, I think, or hold you in a certain I forget how you how did you phrase it? I'm held in a higher high, regard. High I guess. regard, so, but yeah. but uh, but I don't think I'm above, uh, you know, anybody per se in the media. Like 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 go around and ask people about uh, Wayne Scanlon mm-hmm. or uh, Roy McGregor or Steve Lloyd or who pick. There's a whole bunch of people. Sure. Uh, Kyle Bukowskis, uh, yeah. Claire Hanna. Like these are all like people that. Well, let me ask you. Just do you feel like? And maybe you always had it. Like, I, I haven't been in this market my whole life, right? I, I moved up here a little later. But I am curious, do you feel like your the feedback you've gotten has changed or the respect you've gotten has changed since you stopped working for, you know, either the national rights holder in Rogers or Bell when you were hosting uh, radio yeah. for TSN? Now you're working for The Athletic. Do you find at all that maybe it's been easier, maybe not for your work to change, but for people to believe your independence a little more? Yeah, okay. yeah that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, that's a very fair way of putting it. I think, like, I think the one thing people have, I've always tried to say is I work for you. Right. Like, like, it's almost like, to me, being a reporter, it's almost like you're a politician and you work on behalf of your constituents. Mm-hmm. And if you're working on behalf of yourself or you're working on behalf of um, – uh, you know, a, a general manager or an owner or a coach or a player, then you're not really doing your job. Like your job is to hold people accountable. So I do think it's easier to hold people accountable in an, f- when you work for an independent media outlet. I really do. Yeah. But like the one thing I've noticed with this, I think there's been a shift here, obviously new ownership, mm-hmm. new regime. I do think my sense from Andlauer and Steos is they're okay with fair criticism. Right. And I don't think that was necessarily true of the previous mm-hmm. iteration of management, but I do think it's true. And I think what that comes from, Matt, is if if I was running a professional sports team, I would say, I would sit down with everybody and I would say, you know what, guys and girls, we hold ourselves to the highest degree of scrutiny internally so that when we go out to a press conference and someone asks us tough questions, we've already answered them yeah. in the boardroom. It doesn't. We're not going to get rattled by tough questions because that standard from the public is actually lower than our own standard. We're going to – and I think that's the Ann Lauer-Steos approach. So if I write – like I'll tell you, I wrote a pretty, pretty critical column of them in the middle of December, when Ottawa's season was off the rails, yeah. and I knew when I wrote the column, I'm not going to get a call from Steve Steos. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get a call from Mike Andlauer saying, what are you doing? Because they know right. that what I wrote was the truth, and they're probably harsher yeah. on themselves than I am. Right. They're and, already pissed long before you wrote about it. Yeah, <laughs> and it's funny. Daniel Alfredson would always say to me, like, you know, first of all, he, he he never had a problem as long as you never took a personal shot at right. him. He was fine, but he always joked. He said, he said the media, he said you guys are always two weeks late to the party. You guys start criticizing a player for lack of production. He's like, we've already been thinking that for two weeks. <laughs> like you know, so like yeah, I think about that this week. Like everyone went to Josh Norris. You haven't scored in eight games, or you think Josh Norris yeah. hasn't thought about that? The Brady reports coming out of. Yeah, that, I don't. That, I don't know that where was, that one like where it emanated from or why. Because look, the, well, I heard the, from one or two, and I'm not anywhere near as well connected as you. I heard that there was rumblings at the end of December. He was unhappy, but now things have turned around. He's gotten a little more comfortable. The team's playing better, but it finally comes out now in mid February. Like just as a kind of a lingering. I don't know. It does it finally just make its way around? I, no, I I don't know. Look, I'll, I don't think he ever wanted to be traded. No. I just think he was frustrated, and that's totally there was fair. a lot. There was a lot of frustration in Ottawa 100%, in December. 100%. I like like it was boiling over, yeah. which is when I wrote that column about right. you got to like my column was basically an open letter to Stales and Anna. Like guys, you better do something. Mm-hmm. And then they ended up, yeah, you know, they did. They they fired DJ Smith, yeah. but but I think if you're able to as a media member, 
hold up a mirror and just be an accurate reflection of what an organization is, I think the fans will appreciate you. It's when you – like, I, it's funny. Like, so I took a lot of heat recently. And I wrote an article in which I interviewed the mayor of Ottawa, Mark Sutcliffe, mm-hmm. about a potential for a new arena. And I took a ton of heat for it. And people saying, you are a mouthpiece for Sutcliffe, no thought for this. But but I take that to heart. I, I looked at those comments and said, okay, I, I get where you're coming from. Uh, my intention was to reach out to the mayor. I proactively reached out to him mm-hmm. because the NCC and the senators had an agreement. I was curious, what was his play? Right. People are saying that's a one-sided story, and that's absolutely fair. And I will, I will be mindful of that. I like, I'll be mindful of okay, like when you're broaching this subject, you know, make sure you're. There's some multiple. onus on the reader too, though, right? To go, yeah, he's speaking to the mayor. The mayor has an agenda. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And but, but, but it's a fair point from the readers to say, hey, uh, don't be a mouthpiece for somebody. And it's absolutely true. Like, I don't want to be. I guess, I, I've, told I I've told this to Ann Lauer. I've told this to Steos. Like, the, like when Ann Lauer and Steos first took over, um, like I, I sent them notes and I said, listen, here's my info. Mm-hmm. So you have it. Yeah. And the reason why I want you to have the info is I want to be accountable to you Yes, because I demand accountability from you. I'm going to say, say some things. You I, accountability, in my mind, is a two-way street. Sure. So I don't get to write anything I want no. without pushback. Yep. And by the same token, you don't just get to run your organization the way you want without pushback. Mm-hmm. And if there's a, a degree of respect on both sides, it can work. Sure. And, and so I, I have a lot of respect for the way that they want to operate that that team and I think at the end of the day the fans will appreciate it and and I think it's gonna it's gonna lead to a more healthy media market here where hopefully and I've said this to Ann Lauer I don't want to be your guy don't make me your guy so I was super happy like in Montreal I got some time with him yep but he gave time to Claire Hannah sure and that's what that's what matters to me I want him to have a relationship with Kyle and with Bruce Garriock and with Wayne Scanlon, right. and with whoever, like pick, go down the list. Sure, you should have a healthy working relationship with five or six. The five or six kind of regulars who are there, mm-hmm. who you know, this is our main, main job. Yeah, yeah. You should be accountable to us, and and you should have a relationship with all of us. I want to take you back to last month down to London, Ontario. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't know you were going to be there until I was watching the presser. This goes back to the Hockey Canada story, yeah. which you've been all over for a while. Uh, it wasn't until they opened things up for questions uh, that I heard your voice down there. I'm curious, um, is that something that your your bosses at The Athletic ask you to attend? Is that something that you decide it's important because you've been a part of covering this story to get yourself down there? Um, and... Yeah, you know what? Just take that for now, and I'll, I'll yeah. get to the follow up. Yeah, it, it, it's a good question. It's a, probably a blend of the two things. Like, I have done a lot of Hockey Canada related stories with my colleagues Katie Strang and uh, Dan Robson mm-hmm. uh, back in 2022. In particular, we did a lot of deep reporting on some of the issues around Hockey Canada, some of the issues around sexual violence in hockey, the culture of it. So it's a it's an important topic. And one that I I want to raise my hand and say, yeah, I, I'd like to cover this because I think it's important. I don't want to cover it because – look, it's it's actually pretty uh, upsetting to cover this stuff. It I really bet. is. Like I, I, I I'm being honest. I can't bringing that home every night. It, 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 I, I don't understand how the crime reporters – do it on a regular basis. I don't know how police officers and 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 social workers and people who my sister's a defense attorney, it, it, and the first year or two oh, when she'd come home for Thanksgiving, yeah. you'd be like, "She, how was your week this weekend?" She'd tell you story A, story B, and story C. You're like, oh, I, this is my little sister. Can you just do anything else? Like uh, this sounds horrible, and, I, and yeah. they deserve defense, all this stuff. But every night, that's your life. I I can't imagine. I I have a tremendous amount of respect for people who are constantly. And repeatedly mm-hmm. exposed to trauma in their workplace. Right. And so for me, I'm not, but this story is very, uh, it's very upsetting. It's very disturbing. It requires a great deal of nuance. It requires a great deal of research going in. It requires uh, 
a, a lot of things. So I basically, yeah, I put up my hand up and said, look, this, this case is happening in my province. Um, I'm happy to be the person. So I think I, I like, like for now, that's the plan is that I'll kind of be the boots on the ground. It, the next time I think there's one in April, yeah. um, I'll be the boots on the ground person goes there, covers the court stuff, follows the story as much as possible. And, and we'll see, it's important to me to do it because I've always been bothered by, well, bothered is probably not the right word, but it's rather eye-opening that these stories are broken by Rick Westhead, Mm -hmm. by Katie Strang, by Robin Doolittle. Like these are reporters who are not, uh, Katie's in the NHL sphere a little bit because she used to cover this league, Mm -hmm. but she's gone full out into being an investigative reporter now. So she doesn't, she's not beholden to anybody. Right. Rick West has not beholden to nope. anybody. Robin Doolittle isn't. No. Nope. Um, the, the dynamic at the all-star game of Robin Doolittle standing up first, asking several questions and having Gary kind of, what are we having a personal conversation here? I found that to be smug by Gary and maybe not reading the room correctly, but by the letter of the law, you know, he, they had said, you know, a question and a follow-up and, and move along. And I, I guess I want to transfer that juxtaposition because that room was Robin and then a bunch of hockey reporters. When yeah. you went to London, it was a f- there were some hockey reporters and a lot of legal, more news reporters. And, yeah, and maybe this is mo- just a nerdy thing by me. I'm I'm curious about that dynamic of of these sports reporters who are here because this is a story in sports versus yeah, this is a big news story. This these are you, you'll you, I hope you won't take this the wrong way. Real news reporters yeah. no, here. No. No, um, I, I I don't take that the wrong way because uh, too often I think those of us on the sports side of the street we don't engage in journalism. We re- we engage in reporting, but we don't engage in journalism. There's a big difference. It's right? entertainment tonight for sports fans. Yeah, and so you know I'm I'm going into that press conference. I actually walked across the street um, with Robin Doolittle to right. go into the press conference, and I and I flagged her down. I said, "Hey, I just want you to know how much I." Uh, appreciate your yeah. reporting, not only on this, but on everything else you've done. Mm-hmm. And the world needs more people like you. And she was really flattered. And sure. I told her that, you know, our daughter is in journalism school. And actually, she had she was aware of a story that our daughter had done, which was super cool. So I text my daughter right after. I'm like, Robin Doolittle Robin knows saw it. your story. Yeah. And so anyway, but 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 that stuff, when you say real reporters, I don't take that as an insult at all. Right. Um I take that to be a wake-up call for those of us in hockey to say, like, 30 years from now, 40 years from now, whatever it is, people are going to look back at this period of time and ask who are the gatekeepers, mm-hmm. who are the caretakers, who are all these questions of, about this. What do you want your legacy to be? Do you want to be the legacy of the quiet reporter who was complicit and who just went along? Right. Do you want your legacy to be, no, you know what? I'm going to just be an honest reporter who tried to shine a light on things. Do you want, like, there's a lot of different ways that you can go. But I believe in going for transparency. Mm-hmm. I believe in trying to shine a light on the truth. And if that makes me an egomaniac, as some people would say, or some people would say, you've, boy, you know, because I've heard this. Like, wow, Ian's really become uh, self, what's the word? Like, self enti- uh, self important. Right. He's got an ego. Right. And it's like, wow. <laughs> I got an ego for trying to do the right thing. Yeah. They're like, oh, but he wasn't like that before. He was he was a good guy before, but now <laughs> now he's now he's kind of he's pushing the envelope. Like, if I'm not pushing the envelope to make this sport better, right? And 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 for the people who say like you hate, like I love hockey. Mm-hmm. I love it more than than most sports. So if I have an opportunity to shape it in a positive way. And and make it a better sport. Why wouldn't I use what little it, it, power and leverage I have? Just point a do light so. at it. It's all you're doing. Just, look, here's what's happening behind the scene or under the you know in that dark corner over there. We're just going to point a light at it and, and see if we can clean that up. I, I think that has to happen. And yeah, I like and, and I hear Matt. Like I hear a lot of people will say you know when when you bring up an issue of toxicity in hockey. Yeah. One of the classic arguments you hear back is, well, that happens everywhere in ho- in society. It's not just hockey. Okay, and that is a fair sure. and valid point. There is toxic behavior in churches. There's mm-hmm. toxic behavior in politics, uh, politics corporate boardrooms, sure. yep. Hollywood, yep. you name it. Yep. I don't work in those other realms. Yep. I don't have an influence in politics. I don't have an influence in uh, you know churches or schools or whatever. 
I have an influence in hockey. Right. And I'm just trying to take care of my lane. That's it. Yeah. And and I understand that this is a societal problem, but this is our little sliver of society. So what are we doing to hold people accountable? Because I think for too long, whether it's the Graham Jameses of the world or just the bad people have been able to thrive in our sport. So if we are truly a sport filled with 98, 99% good people, like Gary Babbitt said, 99% of people are good people. Okay. Yeah. Then why does why do we allow one yeah. percent of people to thrive? Like right. shouldn't they shouldn't they feel scared to operate in that manner? Yeah. Shouldn't they? But they don't. They feel empowered. They feel protected. And so that's all I'm trying to do. I want to make this a sport and a game that we're never going to get rid of everything. Like people act like you're just trying to achieve something. I'm not asking for perfection. I'm just asking to be better. Yeah. That's it. Well, and like I said, uh, maybe last thing on this is I, I, I frequently, if there's a legal issue, I, I send it to my sister. What do you think? Right. And she's not a sports person at all. Yeah. And so I sent her the YouTube clip of Gary's press conference at the all-star game. And I said, understand this is not going to be, you know, a lot of, uh, she kind of thought as a non-sports person, the thing to do would have been a lot of those reporters to give their time back to Robin Doolittle. But that's not the way it's going to work at the NHL All-Star no. Game. And she understood that as well. And so she said for her, it's incredibly frustrating to hear Robin Doolittle stick her head up every couple of questions and ask something and have the next question be, you know, what about the Flyers' salary cap? Will they have yeah. the... Uh, 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 and she said to me, next week when they have the thing in London, it's not going to be like that, but you're not going to get anything. And as fans, I think we found that frustrating. Did you know when you arrived that they weren't going to, that every question was going to have to be answered with, there's an ongoing investigation, we're not able to comment on that? Did you know it would be that locked down when you got well, there? Okay, so it's such a great point, right? Because here's my thinking on this. The London Police Department, Matt, about 12 days before the press conference, issued a press release mm -hmm. saying, we will hold a major news conference on whatever day it was, February, I can't remember the exact date, sure. whatever, okay? And it is pertaining to a sexual assault case from 2018. So we all knew what it was. Right. Okay? It is very atypical for any entity or outlet or company to issue a news release alerting the press of a conference two weeks in advance. That's very, just to... Paint the picture for listenership. That's yeah. very atypical. You might get maybe two or three days, even that. So, like, often it's just the day of or day yeah, before. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Twelve days in advance, you're like, okay, they know what well, they're they with must there. know that they can say some things or whatever. Now, I didn't think that they would share a ton, mm -hmm. but I thought they would share more. Like, I guess in hindsight, if I was handling PR for the London Police Department, I would have looked at all the facts and said, "Gang." We're going to put out a statement that just says what we can what say. we can say and it's not going to be a press conference because all, all that press conference yeah. became was it the the police chief there uh, uh Ty Trong yes ended up becoming almost like a piñata yeah. where people are just taking shots and he's try and then he went on that strange diatribe <laughs> halfway through which whatever like but but that's what happens when you hold a press conference. There's an opportunity for things to go askew if you're not totally locked in. Well, and as you say, if you give 12 days notice, people assume we're doing oh. this, right? The details are going to be there. We're all – there was nothing. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's so, so PR it's, disaster. It, yeah. And, 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 you know, I think I was expecting some answers. Right. But – I think we got to wait and see if and when this reaches a court of law. Um, if it gets to that point, I don't know. It's it's really, really difficult to say. And if it does, I, like Matt, like this isn't going to get to a trial till my guess oh, man, is yeah. the spring of 2025. Yeah, like 13, 14 months from now might be the earliest. Yeah, in in talking to some people, so we'll we'll see how this plays out. 
Uh, people will be pissed at me, even if I don't at least ask you some kind of senator's question yes. here. <laughs> so uh, let's lighten things up a little bit. We'll do that. I'm curious, when you look Just at what... Who lightens the mood by talking about the 2024 <laughs> senators? Uh, well, compared to what we're coming off of, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so I'm curious, when you look at this team right now, they're playing better lately. Now, as you and I sit here, they just came off the the six three loss to uh, Washington. By the time the good listener, but wait, wait, this. no, no, no. But okay. this is the beauty of doing a pre recording. Yeah, we can do the Mister Black from uh, Mister Black from uh, uh, Krusty, right? <laughs> yes, uh, so, <laughs> in that game against Nashville, in which they Atlanta Falcons, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just drop it in. Sure, they won right five four. They lost <laughs> like whatever, but but. When you look at this group now, who have been playing better recent games? Yeah. Or the, is this, does it look different to you than past years when they've had a terrible start and then rallied? Are you seeing things implemented that might carry forward? Or is this just another case of, hey, pressure's off and, and we're moving? Are you seeing a difference this lost half season to previous lost half I seasons. keep telling I write this yeah. I say this on radio interviews for the love of God can we stop hanging the mission accomplished banner right. in Ottawa right. stop it like <laughs> like just I will hang that banner on the day that they make the playoffs mm-hmm. mission accomplished until right. then they are a work in progress so that work in progress will extend through the end of this regular season it will extend into the fall and probably past Christmas time. And that's not my fault as a reporter. That's not the fans' fault. That is on the players and that group. Yeah. They have lost the ability, I think, to sell hope. I don't when you miss the playoffs seven years in a row, mm-hmm. the word hope is removed from your vocabulary. Now, you're in a prove it phase. And, and and yeah, there's some reason to be optimistic sure, for yeah. sure. But I think last year at the end of the year, when they finished with, what, 86 points and they finished six points out of a playoff spot, it felt like the arrow was trending up. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you know what? This felt different, guys. Like, they were in the they, – they were buyers at the deadline. We got our and, centers all healthy. And they, they played meaningful games yeah. after the, the trade deadline. Like, yeah, you know what? If everything bounces right, we should be good. Mm-hmm. And then they tripped out of the gate again in October, November, December. And we're right back where we were. So until you clear that hurdle of October, November, December, there will be a healthy amount of skepticism that floats. Nothing they can do, in my opinion, right? nothing they can do between now and April 14th or whenever the season ends, short of getting a Hamburglar yeah. 2.0, which yeah. I, it's not going to happen. No, of course. So nothing they can do will convince me that they're a playoff team mm. until – about a year from now, right. and that's fine. I'm I'm willing to be patient. Like I, I I think this fan base has been patient. I'm willing to be patient with the the owner and the general manager. Yeah. I don't. I think they've only been well, on they the had job a tough hand first for, half too. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, I think to to start jumping down their throats is a little early for that. But I, only thing I'll say is I understand the fans' frustration. Yeah. They is now seven years. Of missing the playoffs, so one long, so one of the longest droughts, yeah, in the last 30, 40 years. Like I, I like Florida had one, Buffalo has Buffalo's one, having one. Detroit's about to bust out of theirs, I yeah. think. Looks like it. Uh, the, the, it. You know, it's very unusual to go seven years in a row without making the playoffs. Leafs have done it. Leafs, uh, Leafs can help you get with some advice on uh, that. How was how seven miss years in a row for them? Well, they made it in 04, didn't make it again to 13, but there was a lockout in there. Yeah. Uh, and then 13 to 7. So, you know, two long breaks anyway, but not... Uh, yeah, anyway. I mean, we're just going to pretend that 13 never happened, right? I'd like to. Yeah. yeah. I'd like to stop being asked about yeah. that. But uh, I got to, of course, ask you about the goaltending. It's mm-hmm. it's not been very good. They've locked in Corpus Allo long-term. I can't imagine there's an appetite yet to buy him out. I can't imagine who would take that contract from you. Do you just have to ride out this year and hope he's better again next year? You know, I, the day they signed him in July, I think it was yeah, it was July first this year, right? When it was back to yeah. Canada Day. Yeah. So, the day they signed him, I wrote a column saying, "Hey, I I have no problem with the cap hit four million. You're not going to hear me complain about that. The five year term that was the problem. That's the problem. And I and I did a little analysis of every goalie." 
who has ever signed a five-year contract to change teams. Not to stay, yeah. to change teams. And it was like a cautionary tale <laughs> led by Jack Campbell. Yeah. And and yeah. and I can't help but feel like as we have this conversation in the here and now, Corpusello feels a little bit like Jack Campbell, where you came to a different market on a five year deal and you just you fought it in year one and you know, and then it it just it hasn't you haven't gained the traction. Yeah. So I I don't know what's going on with him. Like I I, I should probably sit down with him, a Corpus Allo, I mean, at mm-hmm. some point, and try to get to the root of maybe how he's feeling, how like something going on is just you know whatever, yeah. and, and get to the the root of what might be ailing him. But in in the here and now, it's hard to think that they could start next season with this same duo, right, and. Expect different results. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm no. just saying that's a big hill to climb from a PR perspective. And a tough sell to the crowd. Yeah, the fans. that's just it. Yeah. No, I, I, you just you look at it, and I, I thought the same thing. Like, well, that salary's, I guess, about right. But we, we all tried to talk ourselves into, well, Columbus isn't a very good team. He looked okay behind LA, and LA is a very good team, so maybe he'll be okay as Ottawa takes their step forward. And so you're sort of still left with the question: if Ottawa plays better in front of him. Would he be better? And then Ottawa did start to play better, and he didn't get better. So it's it's yeah. it's going to be tough, right? And, and but those are the questions that are left lingering. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, and and like the problem is when you like the, the five year terms are just yeah. it's just goalies are voodoo. Don't commit. Don't yeah, do like it. like I think I in fact I started that column in, in July saying if anybody knows you know what constitutes a good goalie. <laughs> Let me know because Aiden Hill just won a Stanley yeah. Cup. Nobody thought he was right. You know, maybe our next uh, Olympic goalie. I Aiden think. If, Hill. I I think it's fair to say if, if the tournament started today, Aiden Hill is probably your starter. Yeah, probably. That's pretty uncomfortable for me. Yeah. Uh, last thing, just quickly, because you uh, you referenced in a tweet on uh, Monday night that uh, Ottawa had had only four games where they'd given up six goals on twenty shots. Uh. Uh, yes, in Ottawa franchise history, yeah. they had only yeah four games in which they surrendered six goals On while giving up 20 shots or fewer. One of those was against Toronto. Yes. Um, April 3rd, 2004. So when I saw that tweet on Tuesday morning while I was getting ready for the show here, I went and I checked out the box score on that. Fascinating times. Did, did Neuendijk score in that game? Joe Neuendijk scored twice in that game. Oh. 20 and 21st of the year for I, him. I, for some reason, I remember Neuendijk scoring in that game. I don't remember anything else about this that This is game. not the other game where Neuendijk scored twice that uh, Leafs That came about sense, two man. weeks later. Yeah. But I, I, I'm i looking at that those rosters and what happened in that game, and that's a year I, I hadn't forgotten he was here. You'll be able to tell me how long he was here. Peter Bondra, Pete Bondra yeah. was an Ottawa senator, uh, took a penalty that allowed uh, the Leafs to score. But that was... That that deadline where the Leafs went all in, and so the first goal of the game, late in the first, it doesn't look like the Leafs are going to get six. It, the, nobody scores till about seventeen minutes into the first period. It's Ron Francis yep. from Callie Johansson for the Leafs. You're like, what is? I had forgotten about Callie Johansson yeah. coming up. I remembered Ron Francis. I remember Brian Leach played. Brian that year, Leach. Right? I remember him. He had an assist later on, but I had totally forgotten about Callie Johansson becoming yep. a uh, a Maple Leaf. Um, I, I just, you know, you, you have a piece coming out later that will talk to a member of that team. Yes. Um, we'll, you know, we'll of course share the link at the time, but that was a turning point, I think, for both franchises, where in 03, Ottawa had gone to the conference final. Yeah. 04, they run into an old nemesis. Belfour does what he did for a couple of years for the Leafs. The Leafs coming out of the lockout. Just can't hang. They have all these contracts. Their guys are getting older. It's no good. Ottawa still manages to, you know, if it's not for Dominic Hasek getting hurt at the Olympics, and and then they still manage to get to a cup final. But it, interesting kind of divergence. The Leafs win that final series between the two teams in that rivalry. I don't know whether the Ridley Greg thing fires that rivalry back up, but that was the last moment that it felt like that rivalry was really on fire and then the Sens continue on to be successful and the Leafs yeah. go into just a, a, a 
almost a decade long rebuild that never yielded anything. Yeah. No, and that that last game that they played six nothing. That was Ottawa's last, I think it might have been Toronto's too, but it was certainly Ottawa's last regular season game. And all Ottawa had to do was, if they beat Toronto at home, Ottawa's at home. Right. If they beat the Leafs, the Center, they clinch uh, home ice against the Leafs. Yeah. Instead, it's Toronto who wins the game. And they end up, I think they ended up one point ahead of Ottawa yeah. that year. Yeah. And they hosted Game seven. Game seven. And I'm not saying it would have been different. I you never know. Yeah, sure. But boy, you never know what could have been different or how things could have changed. I will still I will defend and I and I joke about this because I had a long conversation with him just before walking into your studio. I will defend Patrick Laleem to the ends of the earth because he, pe- he's the easy scapegoat yeah. for Ottawa's yeah. people like that guy, that's why you didn't win. Look at his numbers, man. Look at his playoff numbers. Patrick Laleem is one of the best, I think it's third now all time, minimum 40 games played in the playoffs. Right. He's got a, uh, like a 179 <laughs> goals against and a 930-something, save 935. Yeah. They didn't lose series because of Patrick Laleem. No. They couldn't score. They yeah. couldn't get over the hump. So I've always felt bad. Like I think Laleem almost gets painted like a Bill Buckner type of brush, <laughs> right? Like Buckner, Buckner's a Hall of Fame. It gets through. Laleem. Yeah, <laughs> but Buckner's a Hall of Fame caliber yep. player yep. in Major League Baseball. He'll be remembered and, for one and thing. And Patty Laleem, I'm, I'm not saying he's a Hall of Fame caliber yeah. goalie, but but he was a damn good goalie for a long time and backstop a, a perennial Stanley Cup contender for you know a four or five year window yep. and was up to the task mm-hmm. on most nights. Yep. How, you have a buck 79 goals against average, but you're the problem? Come on. Well, Sundin scores that overtime winner in a one nothing game. Like, what do you want? You're paying for sure. I, uh, but what do you want Laleem to do in that? Could you go score a goal at some point? Like, maybe we'll we'll get a little further. But yeah. I, so is Ridley Gregg and the slap shot, Morgan Riley and the cross check. They don't play again until at I know. least next fall. It'll be you know what the worst thing is to hold. It'll be like a craft hockeyville game. Probably. Where like Morgan Riley and, and Rob and was in Greg. here saying, please don't give the Leafs and Sens a preseason game. Don't do it. They're gonna do it. They always do it. It's geography. It's it's yeah. whatever. Do you think there's enough steam there that it holds till the fall and reignites the rivalry? Or by then is it sort of eh, you're on to the next thing. There's, I think you might be on to the next thing yeah. by then. I think Morgan Riley did what he did and that in and of itself was the payback, right? He, right? he hit the guy in the face. Someone might want to fight him in the first game. Maybe that. Maybe happens. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I eh. think I think the Leafs, uh, you know, whether it's true or not, they seem to have rallied around it. Yeah. Like, like I, sometimes I think these things are convenient storylines. Like they've won a bunch of games in a row, yeah, exactly. and people are like, "I'm the same way." But, but, like, are we suggesting that the Leafs all to get got together? And like, you know what, guys? Now we're really going to try. Let's do it for Mo. No, like <laughs> I don't think that's the way professional sports works. Either. But, but. I do think there's something to be said for maybe they're playing with a little bit more unity. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're playing with a little bit more, could I don't be, know, yeah, they feel like be. each other. they have each other's backs, and there's something to be said for that. Yeah. But the idea that they're like trying harder, I don't buy into. But but I think it's great for the game. As long as nobody's getting like seriously hurt, like, like really Greg didn't get seriously hurt. I right. think we're having a different conversation if he did. Of course, yeah. But, but I think that's good for – like I had no problem – as it happened – I turned to Wayne Scanlon in the press box. I'm like, I love that. I love that from Ridley Gregg. <laughs> and Wayne Scanlon was like, I don't like it. I don't think he should have done that. And it was like, it was funny. Like, I don't think we realized that we were a microcosm for the debate that like was about 100%. to explode. Yeah. And it was really fascinating to watch it because it's just like politics today. Everybody was just arguing their own opinion. Uh, or, or, or exactly sorry, what I said argue- on Twitter. Our pre-decided sides and go yeah that's it that's it like it didn't if you reverse the roles yep and matt matthew nye's sure slapped one in zoom and, and cross we'd be like you got to send that little punk a message it's not classy come on yeah like what, what what ridley did was not over the line was it it was a little mustard on the hot dog sure yeah but that's it yeah. like uh and 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 Look, Riley, to me, he probably could have just come over, pushed him, could have said something, could have even theoretically dropped the gloves. Dropped the gloves and punched him, anything. cross-check him. I, it was I didn't think he deserved 
six, seven, eight. Some people are like fifteen games. Like I, I, I wasn't. Thought, on that I trade. thought three or four. I was surprised when he got the the. Call I always thought four to five. Okay. I, 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 Fair in my enough. Mind, I was yeah. like, give that guy four or well, five. You know, games. I'm a little biased. Uh, so when they said you're going to get an in person, I'm kind of oh okay, like. I guess we are looking at something a little bigger. Yeah. And five sort of felt like to me in that moment, like, see, we're into that area where it's the in-person. You can say to one side and say to the other, yeah, but we didn't hammer them. We did like it kind of an easy place to come down yeah. five games and fair enough. Uh, uh, last thing I got to ask you then, any tips here? I got Lever coming in here Thursday morning. I know you handled him for a long time. Uh, he's full of piss and vinegar. Uh, I used to be just full of vinegar. Uh, back from Europe, he's got a lot to say. Any any tips on on reining him in, getting him under control? Reining him in. I, I'm looking for tips on how to rein him in. I've only got 23 <laughs> years or something. I don't know how to rein. He's like a wild bronco. Honestly. Um, I'm supposed to actually, just before you record your show with him mm-hmm. for Thursday, yeah. I'm, going, I'm going for lunch with him. Okay. Because we have not uh, seen each other in a couple of months since yep. he was uh, overseas. So... I will work on rating him in. Okay, I appreciate that. During the lunch. You could serve him a tranquilizer of some could, kind. Uh, uh, Michelob Ultra, <laughs> maybe. That'll work. Yeah. That'll work. Or a Bud Light line. Yeah, nice. That's okay. same. Yeah, same thing. Same, close enough. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ian, I always appreciate it when you come in, man. Yeah. I, I know we didn't talk a whole lot of like current events in no. the Ottawa Senators, but I, I got bigger things to ask you about. I, yeah, I, that's, I, I, listen, anytime I can join a podcast and not talk about the current <laughs> State of the team I'm covering, I'm all in. So uh, thanks, uh, thanks as always for having me. Uh, we'll let the good listener know back on episode 1259, our buddy Andrew Stoughton from the batflip.ca, all kinds of talk on the Blue Jays headed into uh, spring training. Uh, that's, uh, that's something you're going to want to check out if you're into the Jays at all. And next week, uh, our buddy Steve Bunda will be here, Ian, and we're going to talk UFC 299, UFC 300. I know you're going to be all over those. I know you're a big, uh, big oh. fight guy. <laughs> I like Michelob Ultra, and I can't stand the UFC. I think I've lost all of your your audience. I think at one point, uh, Michelob was a sponsor on the mat in the UFC. Were they? I, I, I don't know. It's, you pay enough money, you can get where you want to go, guess. right? So uh, that'll be Bunda next week. All kinds of good stuff coming up on the show. Ian, I appreciate you coming in, man. Thank you so much. Thanks a ton for having me. That's where we'll wrap this up. Lever Sage will be here Thursday morning for episode 1263. For Ian Mendez, my name's Matt Robinson. I, wait, can I add one more thing? Sure. And this isn't just a troll job for me. <laughs> But I want the listeners to know, this episode, 67 minutes. That's really upsetting. We're out of here. See ya. That was a hot mess inside a dumpster fire, inside a train wreck. It was a disgrace. Thanks for listening. You can get more TCA at TallCanAudio.com or by searching TallCanAudio on your favorite podcast app.